0: I remember when I was a kid, I was one year, I was really wanting a video game. I was wanting my parents, I was dropping all the hints I could to make sure my parents knew. I wanted Donkey Kong for Super Nintendo. And um, since I had received a bunch of video games before, I knew exactly what size and shape the box would need to be. So on Christmas morning, I went under the tree and I was looking all over for the video game sized, wrapped Christmas present. And um, I found a couple smaller. I found a bunch of them bigger, but there was nothing the right size. And I was thinking, she didn't get it. She didn't, she didn't get the one thing that I wanted the most. And I was thinking, I, I, um, I can only envision Christmas morning one way, and it's gonna be disappointment. <laughs> there, there's, it'd be impossible for me to envision anything other than disappointment. Um, turns out my mom wrapped it in a really big box, and she threw a whole bunch of paper in there, and so I was like so surprised, I opened it up, and I was like, oh, you did remember. I was like, well played, mom. You got me, and so then I spent, you know, weeks playing that video game, and uh, we're, uh, I, I, this, we're in a series. We're in a message series called Best Gift Ever, and I'm talking about a gift that, thank the Lord, is far better than any video game. <laughs> it's out out there. And uh, we're looking at different ways uh, the Lord gifts us. Just prior to the very first Christmas, there were a few key individuals in the Bible that started experiencing God stirring things up. And we can read about people that were experiencing some pain or um, some that were some unanswered prayer. Some people were experiencing some confusion, some uncertainty. And Some of these people didn't know it at first, but God was preparing to give each of them an incredible gift. And it was a deeper faith that addressed a tender spot in each person's individual life. So as we head into December, maybe you feel like things in your life right now are getting stirred up. Maybe you're experiencing some pain or some confusion or some struggle. And it might be that God is preparing to give you an incredible gift. He might be ready to speak into some of the tender spots of your life. He might give you a renewed faith that results in tremendous hope and joy. So every Sunday through December, we're going to read about one key individual in the Christmas story through the Gospel of Luke, and we're, going to be, we're working through chapters 1 and 2. And so we'll read about, we about Zechariah, and we'll read about Mary, and Elizabeth, and Joseph, focusing on one person each Sunday, and God's faithfulness to each of these people might reveal his compassionate care towards you this Christmas season. So I want to jump in, and um, we read a really exciting story last week about one guy named Zachariah, but the story, um, it picks up, we left we left off um, around uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 24 in Luke, so we're going to start In verse 26 here, it says, In the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So you might be familiar with this opening part of the story. We've got Mary and Joseph. The the stage is being set for each of them. And Gabriel was the one that we read about last year. He went and he, he... foretold the pregnancy that would happen for Zachariah and Elizabeth. So he's talking to Mary now. And uh, let me go to the next verse. It says, verse 28, and the angel came to her, to to Mary, and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. I don't know what it would be like to have an angel just fly into your room (laughs) and start talking. And there's probably like this aura of intensity or glory more likely that was um and probably nobody's ever even addressed her this way um, so she's you know you'd read the story like oh great to have an angel it's probably it's probably somewhat terrifying honestly <laughs> and so she's she's in this she's sore, all of a sudden just bewildered i don't even what who even knows what she was working on you know, like crochet or making sourdough or something she's just sitting there and this person appears. and so verse 30 the angel told her do not be afraid mary For you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. That phrase right there, you have found favor with God, that's a phrase you can find commonly in the Old Testament when people are being addressed. Um, And Mary was this one who had found favor with God. And you know what's interesting about this is up to this point, there really hadn't, there had been no direct communication from God for over 400 years. There was the time between the Old Testament and what is now happening was about 400 years, and there were no prophets, and there was no angels, nobody really speaking. And so this, for them, which would easily equate to Mary's whole lifetime, her parents, her grandparents' whole lifetime, there really nothing direct. And so there's this big startling statement that she had found favor with the Lord in such a direct way. And uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't because Mary was such an incredible woman. She does actually appear to have some amazing qualities, but it's not why the Lord favored her. It was actually God's just chosen grace and mercy to extend an incredible privilege to her. And after all, Mary needed saving too. Even though she birthed Jesus, she, was, she, would, she would later call Jesus her savior. So she, she needed to be saved. But God had picked her as a chosen vessel for his son. And then it mentions, the angel mentions his name is going to be Jesus. Jesus is uh, it's a Greek transliteration from the Hebrew name Joshua. And Joshua and Jesus both mean Yahweh saves. And So they're getting ready for this. Right, right from the very beginning is embedded this idea of salvation, salvation from our sins. So there's this big queue up for her. Verse 32, it says, he will be great, referring to Jesus, and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So this is is big news, and no matter how much emotion and emphasis I put on this, I, I think I would only ever be able to undersell how much of a the magnitude of this privilege to be the person that would give birth to the savior of the world for all time this is it's this is almost unthinkably huge in privilege and her response she asks a question so the news is probably just barely setting into her mind and she says mary asked the angel how can this be since i have not had sexual relations with a man how am i going to get pregnant uh and understandably mary could. she really only envisioned uh conception and pregnancy happening one way so you got a man and a woman put them together in an intimate way baby comes out that's really what she was thinking what happened that's i mean i don't falter for like what how would how would you how would you conceive of something happening any other way and so she asked this question how can this be and if you were here last week and or if you know the story of zachariah he asked the question too but his question and her question are very different. Zechariah asked a, um, a doubt-filled question. And it was, his question was, how can, I, how can I know what God has said is actually going to come true? She actually is, her, she's positioned to believe. And so she has a, her question has a different tone to it. She says, how, how could this be? It's just like a genuine, honest question to the Lord. Her attitude is so meek so humble that the angel has no problem answering her. She doesn't get a big consequence like Zachariah did. So she just says, how can this be? She's like, this doesn't, this doesn't, this doesn't even make sense this would even be a possibility. So the angel says, verse 35, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So that word, overshadow the god will overshadow her Uh, it has this idea of god brooding over her Um, this word is used elsewhere Um, it's the same kind of hovering and brooding like god's glory and his power did over the tabernacle in the old testament times this word is, is used also at the transfiguration of jesus later when this cloud of god's glory enveloped the disciples. It just, the glory just kind of comes and just surrounds and just soaks them. So this, his, his, he says his spirit is going to do this. The Holy Spirit is going to come envelop her in this way. And when I read stuff like this, I don't, I don't know if this is weird, but I even think about this on somewhat of a biological scale because you're thinking, you know, conception, there's an, an egg normally requires a sperm to be fertilized. We know how that works. In this case, there, there was there wasn't both those parts there. I believe the egg was Mary's and the Holy Spirit somehow turned it into a fertilized egg. And that was the moment of conception. It was, I believe it truly was from Mary because Jesus, you know, the the whole intention was that Jesus would be a full human, which means he had to come from humans. But by missing the male part, it totally bypassed the transmission of sin that goes all the way back to Adam. So full, she, he, Jesus became a fully human; he was also fully God. And so it's it's fascinating to me to think at one point God was a single cell, a zygote. You know, and that's how Jesus started as as one. And so you know, this is on a bio, this actually happened biologically, and then it, you know the birth process began to, to move on and so this is this is what happened by the power of the holy spirit and the angel graciously gives a little bit more evidence to support how this miraculous thing could even happen so she's wondering how could this be possible but the the angel says and consider your relative elizabeth even she has conceived a son in her old age and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless for nothing will be impossible with God. So she wouldn't have known about this yet. Nobody actually knew Elizabeth was pregnant because she was in hiding. Um, but Elizabeth was a relative that was way too old to have kids anymore. Way past the child-rearing age. And so the angel i saying, like, I'll, I'll, here's a way you could even verify the credibility of this thing that I'm predicting to you. Even your relative, who should not be able to have a child, is currently pregnant. And... Mary believed, right? You know, she actually was able to go and verify later that this was true, but she believes leading up to it. And so there's this, this token proof. You know, this angel is saying something impossible is going to happen. But here's, here's proof. Something, a different kind of impossible thing has already happened. So one of the things that I love about this story is that it tells us, it shows us in one way that God can write stories that seem impossible to us. God can write stories that seem impossible. And Mary had a major reality check moment. You know, what she thought was possible, it it all of a sudden changed. Like things, now now there's things that are possible that I never thought possible. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where God opened your eyes to a reality that you never saw before. Maybe, Maybe you're in a situation where you're like, okay, this is different than what I thought. Um, maybe maybe you're, you experienced time like man prayer, you got to experience the reality of prayer. And you're like, wow, I didn't know prayer worked this way. Or maybe God opened your eye to, your eyes to how relationships work when when done according to the Bible. You think, man, I can't, I I didn't know this. Maybe even maybe your eyes were opened to the impact of the demonic in everyday life. At one point, you didn't know about it. and the next point, all of a sudden, you realize, oh my goodness, there's a whole spiritual realm here that impacts everything. I didn't know that. Or maybe the ability to truly forgive a person. You're thinking, man, I didn't, I didn't even know that was possible. Or maybe even your faith in Jesus feels this way. Like, man, my, this, this is new to me. I, I didn't know this possibility even existed. And so Mary's going through this right now, realizing, man, God can do things I never thought possible. And when I first got around Christians who practiced New Testament commands for how to relate to one another, this, this kind of thing happened to me. I, I had been a part of churches for a while, but there was a, a, a quality of obeying the Bible and really practicing things like clearing up relationships and putting the goals and interests of others above each other that um, I just didn't know. I, there, there, was a, there was a kind of joy and refreshment in relationships that I didn't know could exist in church communities. And I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful that God brought me to a place where I could, my eyes would be open, I could learn new things about how he works, about how spirituality works. And so I love this idea where this angel says, nothing, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I know sometimes you can get really like flowery with this idea where, you know, it's kind of like if you Maybe someone would say, like, I have, I have a dream for myself that feels impossible, but whatever you want to do, even if it's impossible, you can do it. Like, just dream up your own impossible situation and go for it. And that, that's actually not what's being said here. Like, um, we've got, we got to think for a second, where did this impossible idea originate? Uh, it originated with God. So God is the one that came up with this impossible scenario of having Mary conceive, so in this, um, God presented a different situation, and then he was leading her through it. And so in the same way, it's, it's not go find your own impossible dream and pursue it. No, we, we let God set the plan, and then we let him lead us through it, even if it seems wild and crazy. And so I love Mary's response to all of this. This is such a beautiful and humble response to a news that just would seem as possible. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. This is a statement of total submission to God. And, you know, her, her, her mind was blown. Her future is completely changed in a second. Um, she's probably going to get accused of adultery. Or even if that didn't happen, that was probably going through her mind right away. She's like, okay, so I'm going to be pregnant all of a sudden. And who's going to believe me? Right? Like, oh yeah, like, it was God's fault. <laughs> like, like all, what kinds of things were going through her mind? And yet she says this. What else can she say but, I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen to me just as you said. This is, this is incredibly, this is a beautiful picture of meekness and humility and just a willingness to go where God was leading. Even in this way, I think submission to God is often costly. This was gonna cost her something to just, she, she could have resisted, she could have uh, been doubtful like Zachariah was, but she was willing. She's like, okay, this actually, this actually might be difficult, but I'm gonna follow where God's going. So another thing that I pull out of this story is that we can trust God to set the agenda For your life you can trust god to set the agenda for your life i think probably any thought of her plans for the future got thrown out the window (laughs) imagine a young girl a teenage girl getting ready to get married she's probably dreaming up all these ideas of where they're going to live and what they're going to do and their kids are going to look like and all of a sudden like boom like everything she thought of is now going to be completely different like okay God threw a major curveball here. How do we respond when the Lord works in a way that's different than what we imagined? It's difficult. Man, I mean, if God just, if, what if he throws a curveball in your life? You're like, man, I, this was not even on my radar. I did not see it happening this way. Do we say, I'm the Lord's servant. God, lead me where you want. It's hard. Maybe We might get there. Maybe, we might have to wrestle with that emotionally a little bit. Um, for us to really take the position of a servant, like she says, Like, God, God is the one in charge. He sets the agenda. What can I do except just serve his goals? I, I think about this idea of, of God just setting an agenda, and I think about my story of getting to this place right now. I grew up in upstate New York, and my wife Erin did. We grew up in... A, um, the same town, and we started dating, and then I, my senior, after my senior year, I came out to California for college, and I had no real thought about what would happen to our relationship. I just like, oh, California sounds cool, and so I just went, and um, amazingly, she came out to school in California too, but she didn't want to be accused of somebody that was just like chasing some irresponsible boy across the country, and so she went to a different school than I went to. But our schools were in Riverside and San Dimas, a drive apart. So amazingly, by God's grace, we were able to keep dating through college. We got married. And um, at that point, once we got married and I got out of college, I, knew, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. The one thing I did not want to be was a pastor. And I, I graduated with a Bible degree, so I, I, had, like, I had some authority and some, for some reasons for not wanting to be a pastor. And... Um, God, by the way, God was setting the agenda for my life all throughout this. And um, we got plugged into, right after we got married, we got plugged into a church that was brand new and had just started in Riverside. And so I got to, without realizing what God was doing, I got to be a part of a church and see it get birthed from, from launch phase to grand opening to going to multiple services to multiple locations. And I got to be a part of that uh eventually on staff as an assistant pastor god worked on my heart there a little bit for perspective of ministry and so what happened was this this journey that i of me starting in new york moving out to california god allowing my relationship with aaron to stay together to train me in ministry just to guide me at the like my timing to get trained for seeing how a church could get started get the invaluable training all of that i look back now and i see god was setting the agenda for my life (laughs) Like, he's the one that guides. He, And so this is, this is a, a, a position that we can intentionally take now. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more likely to say something like Mary would say, like I'm the Lord's servant. Along the way, I was just probably making a lot of naive and foolish decisions, and I can see now how much better it would be for me to, to yield to what God is doing. So we can do that. Another thing about this story that I, I love thinking about that so we can anticipate that God might use methods you hadn't considered. God might use methods for accomplishing His agenda in your life that you hadn't considered. So, um, the birth of Jesus was pretty unconventional. <laughs> uh, impossible, actually. It was it was impossible that a baby could be could be born. Also. God used a very unconventional timing when Zechariah and Elizabeth got pregnant. It also seemed impossible and unconventional. And then, of course, when God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Man, that was unconventional. It, it, was, it was unthinkable that any deity of any religion anywhere on the planet would take this step. That God himself would die for his people. This, so you look at these stories, and you're like, man, God, God uses methods that people don't dream up before it happens. He just, he does what he wants to do in the ways that he wants to do it. So maybe, maybe we should stop thinking that God only works one way. <laughs> maybe we should refuse to believe, well, he can only come through for me this way. If it's not this way, it's not going to happen. You know, I can't, I can't envision... My prayer is getting answered any other way than the way I see it in my mind. I can only see it one way. This, God is not restricted by what we can envision. There may be some things that seem impossible in your life right now. Maybe, maybe a thought of buying a house feels impossible. I rent. It seems impossible that I'd ever have enough money to own. And I've, I've heard many others, especially other pastors and ministry that I know that would say the same thing at different times period is like impossible, and then God opens a way or provides an unbelievable provision, and then the impossible becomes reality. Or maybe it feels impossible that you would have a relative that would come to Christ. Maybe you know somebody, or you've been praying for somebody for a long time to put their faith in Jesus. You're like, this would never happen. I just can't see this happening. Well, maybe God can work there. Or maybe finding a spouse feels impossible, or bearing a child. These are things that we just can't see it happening. Or maybe the reconciliation of a broken relationship. Like this is never gonna get fixed. There's just no way. Or maybe healing, you know, physical healing or emotional healing of some kind. It just looks like it's permanent and it just will never change. Or maybe there's things, future things, that God has spoken to you through prayer or through the word. Maybe you really believe like like the angel spoke to Mary about something coming in the future. Maybe God has spoken something to you and you just can't see it. I'm like, I don't know how this would happen. In all of these impossible situations, maybe God can actually bring about the impossible thing in a different method than we've even thought or considered. So for all of those, those things that we pray for, some of those things that we want, maybe a home or to buy a house or a child or a spouse or healing, for all of those things, we don't know for sure if that is God's agenda for us. That thing that I want, maybe he wants me to have that in the future, but maybe he doesn't. I, we don't know. If we have that adi- attitude of Mary, like, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. He'll, he'll give me what he wants to. If God does want any of those things to happen, he can make it happen. He will make it happen in his timing and using the method that he wants. Sometimes we try to help God out. you like, we want something so bad. You're like, you know what? Um, I think God's struggling to answer my prayer a little bit. So I, I, maybe I need to force it. Or maybe I just need to like, take a few extra steps for him. Cut a few corners. Maybe like, kind of blur the lines a little bit. And then I'll, I'll just help God out with you know, answering my prayer. We, he, he doesn't need our help. <laughs> he can use any method. So I, mean, I thought about what if, what if Mary did that? What if she thought, like, I don't know if he's actually going to be able to pull off this uh, conception thing. I should probably help him out. Like, what, what would that have looked like for her to help God out with getting pregnant? Like, crossing all kinds of lines. <laughs> like, no, no, just just stop and wait. Just wait. Let God do what God wants to do. Sometimes we just want to start pushing, but we can let God, let God write this story. I want to show you a video. I've got an um, a video clip of a friend, and um, in this series, uh, this Christmas series through December, I've been wanting to show or provide a, a real-life story from somebody either in our church or somebody that we know uh, that has have walked through the truth that we're looking at. So last week we got to hear from Alyosha, and this week is, it's a video from um, Jennifer, and this is a person that goes to one of uh, our partner churches, Church in the Valley, Ontario and she shared a story with uh, me and a few other people from our church when we were at a conference about a month ago, and it was such a good story that I wanted her to share it. I wanted her to ask her if she could capture it so I could show it here. Um, so she, this is, uh, she's going to apply this principle from um, letting God write the story to a specific area in her life, and um, I want you to hear what she has to say about that.
1: Hi, I'm Jennifer Ting and I am a member at Church in the Valley Ontario Ranch. And at 30, I broke up with someone in the midst of pre-engagement counseling that I'd been dating for a few years, who was a wonderful guy who had moved out from another state to um, pursue dating um, within the network. Um, and it didn't work out. And so at 30, I began to pray that God would just give me dear heart friends that I could run with that were in my age and stage. And within the month, he answered just with three girls. It began to come up more and more that everyone would really love to be married and they'd love to be dating. And there was no one at our church that was really single that were guys or even in network churches nearby. And so they just kept asking, where are we going to meet these guys? So it began to come up that the way to resolve this was through online dating. That that would, surely we should give that a chance. And so I began to help them as they were setting up their profiles and sorting through people who were interested and debriefing dates and all the while not signing up myself. And they kept asking me, are you going to sign up? Are you going to try this? And I just really did not have um, a piece about doing it. I, I didn't have any idea where God would provide someone. I had been working at this point for 10 years. I knew thus far, I had not met any Christian men who were like hearted at work. Um, there like I said, we weren't any people locally in our church or in the nearby churches that we're connected to I really didn't know where God was gonna bring this guy. And so they used to joke, is he's just gonna drop him out of the sky for you, Jen? Like what are you gonna to do to take any, you know, initiative here if I if you need to? And um I I didn't have an answer besides I know God can do it, I really don't know what that is gonna look like. I have no idea for how that will look like and I've had plenty of plans up until 30 of all these ways. I'm an English teacher by trade and all these stories of how God could make things happen for me and those hadn't panned out. And so um, I knew I'd love to be married. I also knew that that may not be what God had for me. So I wasn't really sure what to do besides to just do the next thing in front of me, um, whether that be in work or ministry or relationships. And so that's what I kept doing. And as I was going, um, I reconnected with old classmates because of an online Facebook group um, from junior high, people I had not talked to in over 20 something years because i had kind of left junior high and never looked back in high school the same. And I reconnected with a guy who I thought was really sweet in elementary, hadn't talked to him since probably sixth grade because when we were in seventh and eighth grade, he began running with a group of people that ended up being gang members, and he ended up, I didn't know till far later, um, really once we were 30, he ended up um, running with these these gang members, becoming a gang member himself, and just had a span of some really awful, just destructive years to himself and his family, and um, we just, we struck up conversation, um, reconnecting. Within a few weeks, he uh, made it clear that he was actually interested in hanging out, and I realized uh, really quickly, like, that he was not walking with the Lord and we couldn't do that and an interesting thing had occurred I was actually very intrigued by him I enjoyed him I enjoyed our conversations and so this was an interesting thing for me so I knew really quickly to guard my heart and do what was right by him I needed to tell him that we couldn't relate anymore and so I did I communicated that and in that process he was asking um why that was the case and as I just made clear that um God really desired me to have relationships that were honoring to him and male female relationships were ones that were going to head towards marriage, really. And we couldn't do that. And for some really specific reasons laid him out. Um, most of all that Lord the, that God was not Lord of his life. And that meant that we could not be equally yoked. We could, I couldn't get behind him and follow him and it wouldn't be right. And so we parted ways that evening and, um, one of the things he had said in passing is the the joy and the purpose you have in life is what I have looked for all my life in all these places that have led to incredible destruction. And um, you haven't done any of those things, and yet you seem just um, really content and happy. And we parted ways that evening and um, came to find out a few weeks later that that night on his way home, he asked the Lord to be the Lord of his life. And he communicated that to me, and just said, "Hey, didn't you say there was a church down here that was something like yours that I can maybe? I was wondering about maybe getting involved in it." So I gave him the name of the church, then tried to keep the ties cut. And I've gotten, um, as I shared some of this with just the men who were um, whose wives were investing in me at um, our church, they had just said a couple things that, um, and my dad the same that God would really take care of him. I did not need help with his relationship with the Lord or get him connected. I could share that piece and then walk away and not feel like I needed to do that. And then also that it would probably take at least two years to really see if this guy was serious about this or if he was chasing this with um, dual motives, like we all have, but that he would really want to be able to know that he was chasing the Lord for chasing the Lord, not for chasing me. And I would wanna know that. And I did, I, would, I did wanna know that. A few weeks shy of my 33rd birthday, Wade, my now husband, came up to our church for a financial seminar and asked if he could take me on a date a few weeks later on my birthday, which on well, my 33rd birthday, on a singular date and see how it went. And then we'd decide more from there. And we did that. And that led to many, many more dates um, very quickly and um, dating. Um, amongst our community where he moved up to over the next year and a half. And then we got married when we were 34 and began a family at 35 um, with children. And so um, we now have four children and um, are getting ready to celebrate 10 years of marriage in January. And um, what I think is really sweet is I could not have written the story. Um, Much like Mary experienced, I'm sure, in having Jesus is, That is not the story she would have written, I'm sure. And that is probably not the story she could have even dreamed up, English major or not. And yet God um, wrote that story for her like only he could and only he could then receive the glory and only he could receive the honor of all the woven details and impossible things to overcome um, that I could never, she could never have done On our own and um, if you had asked me at 18 um, what I saw my life going like and who I saw myself marrying and whatnot at the time my husband and I both joke about this I would have never said as a pastor's kid I see myself marrying a former gang member who found Jesus at 30 and has been walking with him since I wouldn't have written that story I would have never even thought to but yet god has far grander plans and it has been a very sweet journey to continue to walk with the god who has seen each and every detail of our lives um a few years ago or yeah in the last couple of years i got to share a testimony with you guys about our son who has down syndrome and getting his diagnosis and walking ahead with that and he's now four and i am so grateful for how wade and i's story began because within getting that diagnosis, it's been further just additions to our journey of a God who sees us, a God who writes stories that we would never have written, but because the ending is so good for each and every one that he has written that is far different than what I would write, I'm so grateful. And I can't help but think, as Mary had to lay her son down to die and release him to die on a cross, an awful death, how much she had to remember that though that's not what she would choose god writes really good stories and the end is going to be sweet because she already experienced that in receiving the announcement of his birth and her pregnancy and so i hope you're encouraged that the god of the bible is still writing um, impossible stories in each and every one of our lives
0: There's a family photo right there. That's Jennifer and um, I I really wanted her. She has a very compelling story and uh, a journey of just trusting God through a lot lot of unpredictable ways. And so, whether it's um, the journey of getting married and finding a spouse, or if it's maybe it's the journey of wanting to have kids, or some other thing in life that just seems impossibly out of reach we we know that god may work in some standard ways or he might work in some supernatural ways in your life we d- we just don't know we don't know what he's going to do and when he does start operating outside of the norm we know we can trust him last week we talked about how we <laughs> god going to do things in his own proper timing and now what we're saying is God will do things in his own way. We can, we can trust his timing, and we can also trust his story writing. He's a good story writer. And God led Mary, as we see, and I believe she developed a very deep faith in the Lord. And the same God that led Mary leads you now today. He's bringing you through some things. He's giving you an opportunity for your faith to deepen as well. He's giving you an opportunity to trust him even more. I really believe that year after year, the best gift is faith to trust God at deeper levels. You may have some faith. You may believe him for some things, but I think he wants that faith to go even deeper, for you to trust him even more in in, in areas that seem even scarier. Mary definitely believed, but I I think her faith reached a new depth during this whole experience. And when she did finally, you know, she got that sneak peek that her relative Elizabeth was pregnant. And it was like told, hey, she's like this other impossible thing. I can only imagine how she felt to hug Elizabeth's belly and and see that like this miracle was true. Like what, what God has said, this first part is true. What he says about me must also be on the way to becoming true. And even after that, she was going to need even more faith. It, wasn't, it was not going to be enough for Mary to have this level of faith because there's a prophecy later in chapter 2. Uh, it was said about Jesus, all the things that he would do, and the prophet said to Mary that a sword will pierce your own soul. We know that. You can only imagine how Mary felt watching Jesus be crucified. And so she was going to need a lot of faith in that moment as well. So as you think about this story in your own life and this, well, the story that God might be writing, one just real practical next step that I would suggest is is that you yield in whatever way to either to to give in or to relinquish control or to submit yourself to him, to to give up trying to guide and, and force things and push things along. Stop resisting what God is doing. Stop fighting what he's wanting to write in your life and to trust him, trust his timing, trust his methods, and like Mary said, say, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this story and allowing us to get such a vivid picture of how you started the life of Jesus on earth, and it's really exciting to see the way that you... you, you could have just parachuted Jesus in, but you, you, you have these ways of weaving real life, real life stories into the mix. And you're doing the same thing for us. You're, you're guiding us. And I pray that uh, for each one gathered here, that we would um, root our faith more deeply in you. And from that, we'd have, uh, we'd experience less worry, less anxiety, less, less longing, and, and just greater sense of joy and peace and contentment in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.